on today's show. Take it away, Tari. Albert Singoon is an all-star. I'm just letting everybody here know it. The Wizard is an all-star. You heard it here first. Jabari Smith Jr.'s growing role for the Rockets. Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore showing some flashes in garbage time against the Dallas Mavericks. And unfortunately, the lump of coal in every Rockets fan stocking this season. Jalen Green benched and continues to struggle. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh, Mike, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. No! T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. All that good stuff. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym, while you're sneaking away from your family at Christmas time while they're opening presents and you're listening to LOR like in the broom closet or something. Thank you for being an everyday or thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. And a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, we are nearing the end of 2023. So, you know, uh, we'll have a new year episode out. We'll have another Christmassy themed episode out, but I figured I'd get into the Christmas spirit a little early with the Rockets getting a pair of wins over the weekend against the Dallas Mavericks, a blowout game against a very shorthanded Mavericks team. And then the nail biter, against the New Orleans Pelicans, second night of a back-to-back on the road. So my question for you, listening, watching this podcast, ignoring your familial obligations around the holidays, how where would you rank this Rockets win, the Pelicans game specifically? Is For me, I think it's very squarely somewhere in the top three best wins this season for the Rockets. I haven't been able to figure out which order, but it's got to be up there with the first road win against the Denver Nuggets, and then also the home win against OKC. Those are probably some of the best wins of the season for this Rockets team. Alper and Shingoon, always career high, career night for Alpi. Easily his best game as a professional basketball player in the NBA. Uh, he posted 37 points. 37 points. Why am I missing? There it is. 37 points on 11 of 21 shooting. He hit his only three pointer. He was 14 of 17 from the free throw line. Yet another career high. He had 11 rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block, only two turnovers. He was dominant. Tari Eason said it himself, and he's going to say it one more time right here. Just for you. Albert Singoon is an all-star. I'm just letting everybody here know it. The wizard is an all-star. You heard it here first. Alperin Shingoon is playing like an all-star, and he absolutely deserves an all-star selection. I don't know what you want to call it. You, you, you Look, he's he's him, okay? He's Himothy Chalamet. He's Himbo Slice. Uh, him, Deanna Jones. Big Wizard, Hemi Potter. 
the Hymn Reaper, President Hemi Carter whipping up sandwiches at Hemi John's, I, whatever you want to call it. Alperin Shingun is that guy for this Houston Rockets team. And he showed as much in that game against the Pelicans. First off, he showed as much in that game against the Dallas Mavericks where the Mavs didn't have Derek Lively, didn't really have a big to throw at Alpi, and Alpi just kind of did whatever he wanted for you know an entire half of basketball, and then took a back seat in the third quarter so that the Rockets could try, for whatever reason, to try and get Jalen Green going, and didn't work. So, And then he was dominant in this Pels game. And then when the post-game interview happens... And Vanessa Richardson, you know, is, is asking Al P about, about the game and whatnot. And Tari Eason, uh, but this was, I believe, before Tari Eason grabbed the mic to say his little piece into the microphone. Uh, Al P was giving all the credit to his teammates. He just had the best game of his career against the Pelicans. Didn't matter if Jonas Valanciunas was on the floor. It didn't matter if JRE was on the floor. It didn't matter who was guarding him. The Pelicans had no answer for him. Willie Green said post-game that he had no answer for Alperin Shingun, that they couldn't contain him. And he goes up there post-game, and he gives all the credit to Fred Van Vliet, to his teammates, to his coaches. He's not up there parading himself, stroking his own ego, none of that. This is the best guy, this is the best basketball player on this Rockets team, and he went out there and gave out gave credit to everybody else except for himself. That is a winning mentality. That is a star mentality. That's the kind of mentality you want to build your team around. And I'm, I'm glad that the Rockets have fully leaned into and embraced Alperin Shingun this season after what feels like him being marginalized, uh, you know, benched, whatever you want to call it in the last two seasons where the previous coaching staff really didn't believe in him. And from my understanding, there were some serious question marks about whether the front office thought he had long-term potential in this role for the Rockets. And so you have Ime Udoka who comes in and Ime has, it hasn't been without road bumps. And I think that's the important thing to note here is Ime hasn't just, it hasn't all been sunshine and roses with Alpi. Just the other game, a couple nights ago, Ime Odoka flat out called out Alperin Shingun for his, his lack of attention to detail on defense and for his lack of energy and effort to start these games. And yet now you see the response from Alpi and, and collectively from the Rockets as a team over these last couple games. And this, this Rockets team has a, a tendency this season to, you know, they'll have a little rough stretch, they'll lose, you know, a few games in a row, and then they reel off like five or six wins in a row. So we're kind of at the beginning stages of this next, what is hopefully another five, six, seven game winning streak or something. And that's one of the signs of inconsistency with a team that is still trying to, you know, figure itself out a little bit. But LP is the straw that stirs the drink for this Rockets team. What the Rockets do on the court doesn't happen without Alperin Shingun, or rarely doesn't happen without Alperin Shingun. There have been a couple moments this season where he's been sat or benched for lack of energy, defensive miscommunications, whatever. But by and large, 95% of the time, Al P has been that guy for this Rockets team this season. And I think the biggest, most impressive thing about his growth is, yeah, he's dominant. We know what he can do offensively. Very few players in the NBA can guard him straight up. Uh, very few teams have an answer for Alperin Shingun offensively. And he absolutely deserves to be in the All-Star game. Like, that, that it needs to happen at this point. Alperin Shingun is playing at an All-Star level. He should make an All-Star team this season. And if he doesn't, it's going to be a travesty. But the most important and most impressive thing about his growth has been his defensive growth to where 
he has been challenged by Ime Odoka to do a lot more defensively this year, and he was a big part of the Houston Rockets' defense in that fourth quarter that shut down the Pelicans. The Pelicans only scored 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Houston Rockets. In that fourth quarter, the Pels were 7 of 19 from the floor, and they had six turnovers in the quarter. They completely shut the Pelicans down in that final frame to be able to get out with the win. And so not only was Alpi dominant on the offensive end, he was a big part of the defensive effort to shut the Pelicans down. Uh, and that that speaks volumes, right? Where you have a game, a couple, a handful of games ago, two players got benched. Alperin Shingun, Jalen Green. Guess who wasn't benched in this game against the Pelicans? The guy who should be an all-star and the guy who's been the best player for this Rockets team this entire season, basically. And shout out, I want to give a quick shout out Call of the one of the best calls ever by Rockets play by play announcer Craig Ackerman when the Rockets forced the turnover and the outlet pass got out to Alperin Shingoon and he was able to dunk it home. The the call, uh, uh, or, wow, why am I mistaken? Was it was it Jabbar? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a, a huge brain fart now at the very end of this segment, but the outlet pass, I want to say it was Alpi. Why am I blanking on this? And then Craig had the call to uh, Merry Christmas to all and to New Orleans a good night. One, like you can tell he had that call just in his back pocket ready to go. And the moment the opportunity presented itself, he was like, boom, I'm using it. Let's go. It was an incredible call. It was an incredible game that the Rockets won uh, in large part due to Alperin Shingu, but also Jabari Smith Jr., who is now evolving and growing into a substantially bigger role offensively for this Rockets team over these last few games. And it's something that I've been begging for all season long, and I'm so excited that we're finally seeing it. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just one moment. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Forgot to say it in the first segment there, but if it wasn't painfully obvious, Alperin Shingun is your Locked on Rockets player of the game with his career night, his career high 37 points, career high from the free throw line, all of that. I was just caught up in singing his praises and making you know my argument for for him to make the all-star team. And again, he this Rockets team doesn't have the success that it's had this season without Alperin Shingun taking that year three leap the way that he has. But you know who else is awesome and who else has been taking a leap this year is Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, he had a couple games recently where he struggled on the road um, against Memphis, on the road against Cleveland. And even then, you know, you could say he struggled. He still was rebounding the ball well. He was still defending at, at you know, at a decent level. The, the Cavs game was arguably probably his worst game of the season, maybe. But he's responded in a big way since that game. In the three games since the road game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, he is averaging 27 points per contest on a ridiculous 63-60-91 set of shooting splits. 63% from the floor, 60% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. He's posted 34 points, 21 points, 26 points in each of those three contests. And one of the best developments this season for Jabari Smith Jr. has been the trust that now Ime Udoka has put into him 
to allow him to be more of a focal point within the Houston Rockets offense. And, you know, I didn't have many gripes about Emi Odoka early on, especially as the Rockets were winning games and things looked good. But it was very clear and pretty evident that that Jabari at times was maybe the fourth or not even, or maybe even the fifth option offensively for this team because there were even games where Dylan Brooks was more of an offensive priority and deservedly so. Dylan's had some really strong performances this season over Jabari Smith Jr., so it made sense, but it was always a little peculiar because it still kind of felt reminiscent of last year at times, Jabari's rookie season, where they weren't really taking advantage of his strengths, which is him in the in the mid-post area, get him to the middle part of the floor, and let him just kind of go to work. And now we're seeing the Rockets actually utilize that and we're seeing them do it in the way that I was begging for them to do it so I will run a slight victory lap here because I was begging for the Rockets to just let Jabari be the offensive anchor for the second unit he has the skills to do it and now we're seeing what it looks like when Jabari is a prioritized more amongst the starters where he's been more of a focal point offensively for the starters these last few games. But then he's also being his, the way he staggering his rotations, the way that he's, you know, divvying up uh, the, the rotations over the course of the game. Jabari has been getting opportunities out there with the second unit that weren't previously there for him to be able to be kind of the focal point offensively at times for the second unit where you've got the five out spacing, you throw Jabari out there with any combination of the second unit guys, and you just let Jabari kind of get to the middle part of the floor and let him go to work. And it's working because lo and behold, that's where Jabari's strength lies is he is not a guy that you want to just exclusively have spotting up from the three point line and taking wide open threes because he is a rhythm player. He has been his whole career. He's been a guy that when he gets going, when he feels the ball in his hands, when he knocks down a couple shots, when he sees a couple free throws go go in, then it kind of unlocks the rest of his game to where he looks kind of unguardable out there because once that three ball starts falling, then he really is unguardable because he can get it done from anywhere on the floor. And against this Pelicans team, that's exactly what he did. He was successful for pretty much everywhere on the floor against the Pelicans. Same thing against the Mavericks and same thing in the game before that against the Atlanta Hawks. He is getting to a place where he's finally looking like the player that the Rockets thought that they drafted back during, you know, a, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And again, I think a big part of it is just his level of comfortability within the offense. He's used that word a lot uh, when asked post game after some of these bigger performances, you know, what's changed for you? Are you doing anything different with your shot mechanics? Is it, is it this, is it that? And his answer is usually pretty consistently. No, it's just, I'm just more comfortable out there. And, You see a big part of that, right, in some of the decision-making that he has on the floor, the way that defenses will close out to him, and he drives, puts the ball on the floor, gets to his comfortable spots, you know, whether it's the mid-range or even at times now, you know, attacking off the catch and driving all the way into the basket, and he's got that that ridiculous, like, wingspan length where he can kind of reach and finish around a defender. It doesn't, it, you know, Jabari's drives aren't always pr- the prettiest drives, but they're effective now. It, like, he is adept at putting the ball on the floor and driving all the way there. It takes him two, maybe three dribbles, and he's right there at the cup, and then he's gotten better at absorbing contact and either finishing over the top of a defender or just kind of reaching and finishing past a defender who can't, do who can't contest or do anything because Jabari's got that ridiculous wingspan and 
when it comes to the mid-range area, that is his bread and butter. That is his comfort zone. You put Jabari anywhere in that like 8 to 15 foot range. And I feel like that is one of the best shots for this Houston Rockets team. Every player on this team has like their little go-to move. And that is Jabari's go-to move. So much so that you saw him like pull up for a midi in transition to where he didn't stop at the three-point line. He dribbled all the way into a free throw line jumper and knocked it down because that was his comfort shot. So the same way that Ime Odoka has empowered Alperin Shingun to be the best version of himself this year and really leaned into his strengths on the offensive end, you know, identifying, hey, if we run the offense through him, he's either going to get a high-quality look for himself or he's going to generate a high-quality look for his teammates. The same has been done for Jabari Smith Jr. To where now you've got Ime Odoka who is identified. And probably, here's my thing is, I don't necessarily think that it wasn't that Ime didn't know this early on. I just think that this Rockets team has gone out of its way so many different times this season in so many different ways, so many different permutations of how they've tried to address their lineups, their rotations this year, where they gave Jalen about a quarter of the season. They gave Jalen a pretty strong, a pretty sizable sample to try and figure it out and be the, you know, the point man, the, 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 the lead guy for the second unit for this Rockets team. And it never clicked. There were some, there were very fleeting moments where it looked okay. But I do think that there was something, you know, somewhere along the line where Ime was like, okay, you know, Jalen's got about a quarter of the season to figure this out before we switch things up and go to, you know, maybe a different focal point offensively in the second unit, right? And that's, now it's Jabari Smith Jr.'s turn. And as Amin Thompson's minutes continue to creep up, as he continues to get more reps out there with that second unit, Jalen's minutes are going to continue to be reduced. So it was a... it took a little bit longer than I would have liked for the Rockets to identify and, and embrace and empower Jabari to have this role, but you're now seeing what this Rockets team can look like when they prioritize the guys who have efficient means of offense and reliable offense and consistency to their games over Jalen, who has just been wildly inconsistent all season long. Alperin Shingun and Jabari Smith Jr. are looking like the like star-studded dynamic future front court for this Houston Rockets team. And again, in theory, Jabari Smith Jr. was a perfect complement to Alperin Shingun when the Rockets drafted him. And now you're starting to see that that perfect pairing blossom before your very eyes to where you can see how Jabari, how his length, how his his rebounding, his ability to contest shots at the rim is a, a perfect compliment. And then o- offensively, right? Jabari, how he can space the floor for Alper and Shingun offensively. How Jabari is learning how to cut when Alper and Shingun has the basketball. How he can just dive towards the rim and Alpi can get him the ball. And then Jabari has a head of steam and can immediately, you know, either you know, elevate and finish at the rim or just pull up for a midi because his de- his defender was late to the punch because now Jabari doesn't have to create dribble drive, you know, attack, whatever, to, to generate his shot. He can just have that little, you know, cut in, boom, Alpi finds him with the ball. It's easy money. You're seeing that pairing start to really blossom and come together, and it's really, really exciting because those two look really good, and you kind of see these really impressive flashes where you're like, oh, yeah, Shingun's playing like an all-star right now. I don't even expect Jabari to keep up this level of like offensive, you know, potency, but if he can, then he's playing like an all-star. Like there's a recipe there for continued 
and repeatable success in how those two guys get their baskets, how they score, how they make each other better on the floor. And, you know, the sky's the limit, really, honestly, for for how, how good this team can be if those two guys can keep up this level of production. Because we're talking about a Rockets team that beat a good Pelicans team, 106-104, and they didn't get a good game from Dylan Brooks, five points on two of seven shooting. They didn't get a good game from Fred Van Vliet, 10 points on three of 11 shooting, only three assists. A really quiet night for the other two Rockets starters out there. This was a game where Shingun and Jabari did the heavy lifting for Houston, and they deserve all the credit in the world for doing it. But coming up, I do want to talk about the lump of coal for the Rockets, unfortunately, Jalen Green's production and inconsistency as of late, as well as some of the flashes that we saw out of Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore in garbage time against the Dallas Mavericks. We're going to get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's go with the milk and cookies before we get to our lump of coal here in the final segment. Uh, Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore in that Rockets blowout win, 122-96 Friday night against the Dallas Mavericks. Which, side note, I, I do have to apologize. You know, I, the way that I mapped out this past week, I've just, you know, had stuff going on, holidays, moving. It's it's just been a lot. And so I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll get the episode out after the Mavericks game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Pels game. And I came down with, like, some serious, like, food poisoning or something like Friday, early Friday morning, and I was like sidelined, didn't even make it to the game, which I'm really upset about because it, you know, it, it's it's a very different experience to be able to watch the, some of these guys play in person versus like just watching the game on on your monitor on your TV. And I really wish that I could have gotten a better look at at Cam Whitmore and Amin Thompson play in person against the Mavericks, as well as you know being able to ask Cam some questions after the game. Um, but this game. Blowout, so Cam, Amin, they get the extended run in the second half in garbage time of this game. And I was really impressed with some of what we saw from these guys. It, it, so let's start with Amin Thompson here, who, look, there's, first off, Amin has a long way to go. He really does. Again, it was, uh, in a way, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise that Amin Thompson got hurt and was sidelined for so long because Aaron Holiday stepped in and made himself a staple of the Rockets rotation and, Aaron Holiday is more impactful towards winning basketball right now than Amin Thompson is. That's just facts. So for the Rockets to end now that they've identified that Jock Landale is just not it, um, Aaron Holiday continues to be a part of the Rockets rotation. So it's kind of it's kind of fortuitous that it worked out that way for the Rockets. Because uh, there's areas of a men's game that he's going to have to clean up, right? He needs a, a tighter handle. He needs a better understanding of, of when and how to attack. Um, just little things here and there that he's going to pick up on and get better at with time. But in this game against the Mavericks, he, he showed like this little kind of semi-diverse array of attacks and passes. And uh, he was really making the most of, of his time out there on the floor. And I, I wonder, and I, I believe, I'm sure, it helped to just know that you were kind of out there, you know, front running. You had this massive lead, like just he wasn't really playing with many stakes, and I think that allowed him to just kind of relax and play his game a little bit. We saw him get to 
you know, a variety of like, he'd be in the pick and roll and he'd be going towards the rim. He had that like Euro step towards the baseline where he like faked the ball out and then went and like, you know, kissed it off the glass for two. He had a couple mid-range jumpers that he that he stepped into with a lot of confidence. He had the little teardrop kind of floater in the lane, had a couple nice passes. We saw some serious flashes from Amin Thompson and it's just enough where you're like, it's there. Like he's going to get it figured out. And again, he has only played in a handful of real basketball games this season. He's only in his what second or third game back coming back from, from the ankle injury and then getting, you know, catching the flu or whatever illness was running around the Rockets locker room. So this is really still the early part of the season for Min Thompson. And, you know, this Rockets team is, is struck with this really difficult, decision or a difficult, you know, directive this season in, yeah, they want to win games, but they also still have to develop these young guys. And I think that Ime has been, and I think that's part of why the Jalen Green experiment so far has been so rough, uh, you know, and so to a lesser degree, Amin Thompson is you're routinely committing reps to a guy that you know at this point is going to struggle and you're just trying to let him kind of play through some of these struggles. The Rockets kind of were letting Amin Thompson get his feet wet early on in the season and even though they had a guy in Aaron Holiday who was probably a better fit, a more complimentary fit, a piece that would directly impact winning a bit better early on in the season, they wanted Amin to get those reps. They wanted him to go through the trial and error of learning how to play with this team because they're going to need him down the line, right? It's, it's kind of that decision for uh, missing out on the short-term gains for long-term success. And they're kind of doing that on a much bigger scale with Jalen Green currently. More on that in a moment. But really liked what we saw out of Amin Thompson. Uh, he continues to, he'll, the game will continue to slow down for him. He has a good feel for it. He makes good reads. The biggest thing for the Rockets is they have to figure out a better like pick and roll partner for Amin Thompson with that second unit. Um, you know, he was out there with Jock Landale in garbage time, and that that's not doing Amin Thompson any favors. At least during you know the actual game when he's out there, you know, during non garbage time minutes, he'll have any of Jabari Smith Jr., Jeff Green, Tari Eason guys to set him screens like that, um, or even Alper and Shingun situationally. And those guys are a lot more effective as screen and roll threats than Jock Landale is. So that's the one kind of disservice of playing that garbage time with Jock. And he still made it look good. And then Cam Whitmore, man. Cam is insane, y'all. Like he's he legit that that lob where he caught the ball and dunked it and had to duck under the backboard to not hit his head as he went sailing past the basket completed the lob and again had to duck his head under. He really has an argument for the most athletic guy on this Rockets roster. He really does. And he's a guy that goes out there and he's, he understands he has a, he has a, uh, he already has the understanding of how to use his, his size, his speed, his athleticism. I, I cam has what I want to call functional athleticism where we really, and this is where we really haven't seen Jalen Green figure out his athleticism yet. Is is Cam already understands that he is oftentimes bigger, faster, and stronger than his competition, and can jump higher than them, and he does it, and that's why he's such a menace. That's why he's a terror. That's why he can get to the rim almost at will. That's why he's able to finish over defenders. That's why he has these highlight posters. That's why he has these insane putback dunks because 
he uses all of his physical gifts together to make things happen on the floor. Uh, now, in this game against the Mavericks, uh, Cam only shot uh, one of six from downtown. Uh, he got 12 shots up in his 14 minutes played, almost a shot per minute. <laughs> Tell you what, Cam is not afraid to shoot the basketball, and that's that's a good thing. You can't have fear when you're in his role, when you're being asked to do what he's going to be asked to do some point down the line as a dynamic wing scorer. You have to be able to score the basketball. But likewise, you also have to be able to make the right read, find the open man. You can't be a black hole offensively, and I do think that's going to be kind of the biggest learning curve for Cam is making sure that he's not tunnel visioning the basket, tunnel visioning shooting the rock, tunnel visioning driving. Um, and he's shown he's shown flashes of being a playmaker with the Vipers in the G League. He's shown that he can make the right reads. It's can he do it consistently? And on the defensive end, right, can he use all of his physical tools to be a presence defensively? Or is he going to be a liability on that end because he's, you know, not paying attention to assignments, you know, not, you know, doesn't have good defensive awareness, whatever. I'm not saying he has those things. I'm just saying those are things that a lot of rookies struggle with, not just Cam. So for anybody who's sitting there banging the gong saying, you know, replace Jalen Green with Cam Whitmore, give Cam Whitmore Jalen Green's minutes. It's not going to happen like that. It's just not. The Rockets are not going to bench Jalen Green and then throw Cam Whitmore into the starting lineup. They're not even going to bench Jalen Green and put like Tari Eason in the starting lineup and then give Jalen's minutes to Cam. And I'll tell you why here in a second. Uh, but just to, to wrap up thoughts on Cam, um, again, he already, he's got functional athleticism. He knows how to attack. He knows how to drive. He's only going to get better. And the fact that the Rockets are already kind of taking their, you know, their leap into phase two of this rebuild with Alper and Shingun looking as incredible as he does, playing at an all-star level. Tari Eason, who's been playing out of his mind since kind of getting back and becoming a mainstay in the rotation again. Jabari Smith Jr., who has taken a significant uptick with his offensive role in these most recent games, but has looked basically really, really good since early November. Those three guys are looking like they've all hit. They really are. There's question marks with Jalen Green, major question marks. And they've got Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore waiting in the wings. So for any, you know, brain-dead NBA fan out there who wants to criticize their, oh, well, they they spent a bunch of money on Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks just to be a 500 team. Yeah, they've got their the rest of their young crop of talent, and they're not even playing it. It's not like the Rockets have, you know, have, have you know, gone out there and like, okay, this is all the young talent we have, and it's kind of okay. Let's go get vets to push us over the top. It's... The vets are here to kind of guide the young talent into the new age of Rockets basketball, and we're seeing that that work beautifully so far this season. It's 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 worked, I think, better than anybody could have imagined when these signings took place in the offseason, when they hired Ime Odoka. This team is ahead of schedule currently with where they're at, uh, at 15 and 12 so far on the season. Three games above 500, a little over a quarter of the way into the season. They keep this pace up. They are a lock for the playoffs. Like, that is well ahead of schedule. Again, I predicted 35 wins. They're already at 15 for the season. So if you predicted more than that, kudos to you for seeing more than what I saw in this team. I was being a little bit skeptical when, when analyzing this team from the jump. But it's a chore talking about Jalen Green on this show now, guys. Like It's, it's frustrating because I, I want Jalen to be successful. I really do. I, you know, he's, again, he was kind of the first the first domino to fall, the first real draft pick that the Rockets had in years, the first top selection, all that, all the hype around him. You know, I do think there was maybe some unfair hype attached to Jalen because the Rockets just lost their, you know, the best shooting guard of the past decade in Houston. 
uh, in James Harden, and then they drafted this young, flashy, exciting two-guard in Jalen Green, and he had some really big shoes to fill. But he has now regressed to the point where I think he's playing uh, worse basketball than he did in either of his first two seasons with the Rockets. And I hear people say all the time, you know, oh, he's adjusting to the new system. Give him time. He needs more time. How much more time does Jalen Green get? When you see Alperin Shingun thriving in year three, when you see Jabari Smith Jr. playing the way that he is here in year two, when you see Tari Eason thriving, I get it that the two-guard role is different than, than some of those other positions, but it's not like anybody's asking Jalen Green to go out there and be Devin Booker on a nightly basis. We're asking Jalen Green to go out there and knock down open shots. <laughs> We're asking Jalen Green to go out there and not smoke layups right at the rim. We're not asking him to do anything that he's not capable of doing. And that's what's so perplexing about this is he has taken like such, he's regressed so much offensively to where the Rockets are in jeopardy when he's on the court. And to my earlier point, the Rockets are, are, are dedicating offensive touches and reps to a guy who is for all intents and purposes now, the most inconsistent guy in the starting lineup to where it feels like an offensive possession dedicated to getting Jalen Green a shot or to trying to get him going feels like a wasted possession at times this season. I said it a couple games ago. I was like, any possession that's not being run through Shingun or Jabari or Fred offensively feels like a wasted possession. And people were like reading between the lines. And it's like, yep, that means Jalen. It does. He's not a good offensive option for the Rockets to go through currently. And he'll have like a one-off couple games where he'll look really good and the shot's falling and, you know, he looks awesome. But then he goes back to this. And this is probably one of the worst stretches, if not the worst stretch of Jalen Green's professional career where he's been miserable. It really has been. Again, benched against New Orleans Pelicans. Didn't play, he was taken out with like six minutes to go in the third quarter. Didn't play the final 18 minutes of this game. And against the Pelicans, he had nine points, two of eight shooting, Six turnovers. I, I don't know what else to say at this point because it feels like a broken record. I It has become a chore. I'm tired of repeating myself with it. And so the question that I ask Rockets fans is, how much time does Jalen Green get? This team is ready to win games right now. And that's the problem. And it's not, oh, Dylan and Fred are ready to win, ready to win games because they're the veterans. No. Shingun is ready to win games right now. Jabari is ready to win games right now. Tari Eason is ready to win games right now for this Rockets team. Why isn't Jalen? How much longer does Jalen Green get before the Rockets have to make a decision on him? How much longer before the Rockets have to change their starting lineup, continue to minimize his minutes in the rotation? And we're already seeing the minutes being minimized, right? Amin Thompson is going to continue to, his minutes are going to gradually slowly increase. He's going to take over those ball handling duties in the second unit. We're already seeing that happen with Jalen. We're already seeing Ime pivot and Grant Jabari, the kind of offensive focal point role with the second unit. We're already seeing slight changes being made where the Rockets are pivoting away from Jalen Green. And again, this year was so important because Jalen Green and Albert and Shingun are both extension eligible this offseason. If Jalen Green asks for $30 million a year right now, are you giving it to him? I'm not. There's no way. The way that he's played so far this season, absolutely not. I'm not giving him a rookie max extension or, or even, even somewhat below the max. It doesn't make sense at this point. 
And that's why myself and people have been so critical of Jalen and trying to figure out what is going on there. This is one of the main reasons because when it comes to building a championship team, you make one false step, you don't maximize your assets when they're, when they're you know, when you don't trade a guy when you should be trading. I'm not, again, I'm not sitting here advocating trading for Jalen Green. I'm just saying it's something that's probably going to have to be in the cards for the Rockets this season if, they, if he doesn't turn things around. Because the Rockets have enough internal data. They've seen him enough at practices. They've seen him in games. They know how he fits or how he doesn't fit with the rest of these players on the team. The Rockets might be out. You know, they, there could come upon a time when the Rockets are out on Jalen Green. That doesn't mean all other 29 teams are out on Jalen Green. There might be a team out there that doesn't have a young, a, you know, a young potential star candidate who the Rockets might be able to trade Jalen Green to and get some assets back for. A team that might want to take a flyer on him. And what my argument has been is that if Jalen Green continues to play the rest of this year the way that he has through this first quarter of the season, wildly inconsistent, turnover prone, bad basketball, easily the, the weakest of the Rockets' five starters this season. If he continues to do that, then every single game that it continues to happen, his potential trade value just decreases ever so slightly, game by game by game by game. And... I can't imagine a world where if the Rockets do hold on to him and, and they go to this upcoming summer and he's extension eligible, whatever, I can't imagine a world where they can trade Jalen this upcoming offseason and get back any semblance of value for him. So I really do think if the Rockets are going to decide if they want to keep Jalen Green around long term, I think their best possible chance to trade him and actually get something back for him, something of tangible value. Couple, couple draft picks, maybe another young prospect that isn't quite working out, maybe two guys who just need like a change of scenery, that kind of thing, or, or trade him for a veteran kind of role player and some draft capital, whatever it would look like, whatever the trade would look like. I think your only opportunity to do that is this trade deadline. And there's going to be a lot of Rockets fans who push back on that. There's going to be a lot of Rockets fans who say, oh, well, give, give him time. He's trying to adjust to his system, all that. And again, I ask you, how much time do you give Jalen Green? Because this Rockets team is ready to win games right now. So how much more time does he get? That's going to do it for today's episode. Had to get to the coal last, but this Rockets team is ahead of schedule. There is a lot to be excited about with this team as we kind of pass up the holiday season as we get ready and prepared to enter the new year. I do appreciate you guys rocking with the podcast. Um, December has been a little bit of a tough month with just so much that I've got going on, but I do appreciate you sticking with the show. It means the world to me. Uh, I wish you and yours a happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, all of that. Um, but as always, thank you so much for watching the show. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>